recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying. Tonight on episode 29, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, hobbying, and purchasing, perhaps kickstarting, because it looks like our Kickstarter habit is alive and well. We're going to have a wonderful interview with the Lonely Havocs at the Lonely Havocs on Twitter, Dan. Uh, he is recently launched his podcast, The Havoc Cast. Um, really cool episodes. This format generally is uh, a couple of questions with somebody else in the hobby community um, and some discussion about just some, some interesting topics with gaming and painting and, uh, you know, occasionally his, his own experiences in, in life in the world. It's kind of a cool uh, solo podcast. So he was gracious enough to give us some of his time and come on the show. Um, we then will play it or slay it, do a review of Critical Mass, a card game, I believe, that is in Troy's collection here in the Basement of Death uh, game library. And then we are going to do a special Basement of Death library set, uh, session, we'll call it, uh, where we are going to deep dive into a novella called The Builders by author Daniel Polanski. Um, the Builders won a Hugo Award uh, a few years back for uh, novella. Um, and we have all read or listened to it on, on Audible or, or have the, uh, the book in hand, which is a, a rarity. So we're pretty excited to have all three of us share some thoughts and, and ideas about, uh, about that book. So action-packed, full-on episode as we head into, a, as, as Troy pointed out before we hopped on the mics, season three as we think of the show. Um, Adepticon a few years ago is really our, our relaunch of, of what is now Playing and Slaying and, and previously had been an old show, uh, Games, Booze, and the Art of, which if you're really looking for yeah. some uh, <laughs> some throwbacks, little deep cut. we recorded yeah. uh, probably about 30 about episodes of that yeah. um, back in the day. But uh, So Adepticon really coming up here in, in just over a month and a half um, as the kickoff for our when we think about our, our arc, you know, 10 episodes at a time, making up a season, maybe a little more, but season three. All right. Well, two of us here are drinking, and we remember when you're playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. So, Josh, I'm going to kick it over to you, and what's uh, what's in that can over there? Uh, I am drinking a Door County Brewing Porter called Poke King. Um, it is delicious, and uh, thank you, Troy, for bringing it over. Um, a very nice, like, gold can with red highlighting. Um, it's delicious. Porter. Because, you know, it's dark beer, it's mm-hmm. dark outside. Mm-hmm. Drink the dark beer. Polka. 
King. Polka King. Cool. Ty, what do you got? I have a glass, and I'm trying to remember what's in it. It is milk stout nitro or nitro mm-hmm. milk stout from left hand brewing yep. uh, i know i've had that one before really good it's a nice winter uh winter beverage and it is delicious left hand brewing's milk stout and uh troy what um what are you disappointing fans around the world with tonight um i have the what we call the conway cola right which yes. would be uh zevia zevia cola <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I don't have it. In, you know, don't have it enhanced with anything else. The Conway Cola, indeed. We love you, Will. You know we do. <laughs> Sometimes, Will. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get the show rolling along, so everybody can uh, get on with their work day or get to bed or whenever you listen to us, do what you do, um, and we'll talk about what we've been playing. Uh, I myself have been relatively limited in the board game and miniature game front. Um, you know, some some mobile games here and there, some video games. Uh, but um, recently, you know, we continue to have a pretty active session of our Mage in the World of Darkness storyteller game. Um, you know, things just keep getting worse. People keep making bad decisions, uh, and I'm I'm worried about the the fate of our our part of the world here in dark milwaukee um you know people people think the devil's cool (laughs) people think infernalism is like a a new fun thing way to gain power it's it's not gonna end well it's gonna be some serious fallout but keep pushing on and some of our characters you know will spin around the edge of the drain before they dive into the abyss so (laughs) Yeah. Sounds real uplifting. Yeah. It's really it's yeah. doom and gloom, man. Uh, <laughs> you leave that game and you're like, Phew, this world is okay because that one's terrible. <laughs> when usually you play role playing games to escape from the bleak reality of our current situation. Um, but uh, yeah. It gets bleaker in Dark Maw. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's like reverse psychology. Like, yeah. oh. So now we understand what Paul's doing. Yeah, he's making real life seem nicer. Yeah, yeah. he's making real yeah. life seem, <laughs> seem like Tolerable. rainbows yeah. and sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What are you guys playing? I know you've been holding up your end of the, uh, your end of the donkey. Not too much, actually. I'm The same thing as we roll into Adepticon here. The hobby tends to all of a sudden get the focus, and so we haven't played a whole lot of stuff. Usually work is actually where I've been playing more stuff, so we're continuing to work our way through Pandemic Legacy on like uh, year three of us trying to get through season one. Uh, we're continuing to go, having a blast as we've got that back to the table. Um, and then uh, with uh, a group at work, we actually played bang the dice game um which i had never i had never actually played bang the original game um but we played bang the dice game which was a fun um uh, it's fairly lightweight and i haven't played it around people said they liked actually the dice game a little better than the regular game uh in the dice game you're like it's kind of a hidden role game you're either a sheriff deputy outlaw or renegades and then each one of those things like has a way to win so like the the sheriff and deputies need to kill the outlaws. Outlaws need to win by killing the sheriff. Renegades want to be the last player alive, and then so you roll dice, and then with the dice, you get different actions. And you can shoot if you have bullets. You can shoot people, and that's how you'd kill them. Or but then there's other special powers, and um, and you get you can I think you get three rolls to get what you want to move around. But it goes around the table, and then there's arrow like on the dice. Also, there's arrows, 
So as you collect those, that's kind of the time because that kind of resets things or it makes the game kind of move fast. So there is some player elimination, which, you know, is never great when you have a large group of people, but it's so fast. Like you really, if you're out, you shouldn't be out for more than, you know, five minutes and then you can pick it up and roll again. So it was fun as kind of that, you know, really light kind of filler game. Again, we were playing with a lot of people who are non-gamers and, and they enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I I was never that excited about the Bang game itself. Um, but I think this, again, could be an, a nice game to just kind of grab and, and throw, in the, throw in the thing. So Cool. Well, I played a little uh, Age of Sigmar with brother of the show, Tom. Uh, he brought some mixed destruction and I brought my Zinch. Um he got ahead early and just continued to stay ahead, but it was still a fun game. Like we still slammed into each other and had fun and uh, had some drinks and um, we kind of did a little like kind of theory crafting while we were playing. Like, uh, or I guess it was more towards the end of the game. Like, you know, if we would have done this differently, or if I would have gotten priority on a turn, or whatever. Um, just like what what could have changed, you know, uh, the outcome of the game, but. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, and then <clears throat> Tom actually went to a party uh, <laughs> shortly afterwards. Um, he was <laughs> we were kind of wrapping up the game, and uh, he was getting blown up on his phone. And he left to go to a party, um, actually in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, oh, I didn't get the invite. Well, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. So thanks, Tom. Yeah, that uh, that mixed destruction list. He's going to be running something like that at um, Brew City in May is his plan, and um, mm-hmm. tweaked his general Iron Jaws just to include some some new stuff. So my uh, mini stomp order for his his Christmas gift was kind of, hey, I'll buy you something on mini stomp. <laughs> so there there might be some grots and mangler squigs in a box waiting for him now. Nice, um, that's awesome. But yeah. And then we've all played some D and D, and we're really getting on it. Yeah, um, it feels like a lot of D and D. Yeah, every every week we're we're yeah, hitting trying, it trying to stick to a weekly game. It's um, awesome. Shorter sessions, <laughs> so it's nice to have the frequency because mm-hmm. you don't quite as uh, accomplish quite as much in you know a couple hours. But um, yeah, things are going well. You guys are deep in the the jungle of Trolt. Um, I've killed one character. I think I've got a few more in me. Um, I don't know. You sailed around the Frost Giants, though. You didn't go mm-hmm. back to visit the Frost yeah. Giant camp. Probably smart. You're on your way to visit some bird people. Yep. Uh, you'll be disappointed when you get there. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. What is that? <laughs> this week, I don't know. This week on the Tomb of Annihilation, the Basement of Death, journeys into the deep jungle and everybody dies. Bum, 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 bum. Or not. Or not. Well, so yeah, some role-playing games, some miniature games, a little bit of light board game, card game playing, good. Um, yeah, like, you know, I think we, we've said now playing is a little light, but uh, what is not light is some of the hobby work going on. There's a couple of deadlines uh, quickly approaching. Um, I'm staring down Holy Wars here in a matter of 15 days uh, of actual hobby time, not counting today, maybe 16. Um and then Adepticon is probably 45-ish days away, and there's a lot to be done for Space Hulk, for the 1K tournaments, the team tournaments, the friendlies, whatever else people are getting into. So um, 
Troy, I know you haven't started working on your Adepticon stuff yet, but what have you been working on? <laughs> yeah, I've been like on this weird 3D printing tangent, and um, I think we, I've been talking about the Infernal Tower, which is this huge demon tower from the printable scenery guys. So that is completely painted, assembled, pictures taken, sitting on the shelf. I kind of finished that up this weekend. I think it came out pretty good. I'm, I was kind of, I was happy as um, the experiments and it's uh, a pretty, uh, I don't know, it's like a foot tall. I don't know. But part of me, like, it's not completely assembled. I left it in two pieces so that I could take, because I'm like, if I ever want to travel with this thing, you gotta take it'd be it nice to have a nice, uh, so I at least left it the two halves not put together. So, um, so I'll throw some, probably some stuff on, maybe on, it's up on Twitter. Maybe I'll throw some on Facebook too when this goes out. Cool. You can see it. So, and continuing to print, more and more, more and more of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, kind of along those lines, um, I've been doing some molding, um, uh, trying to help tie out with like um, display board and uh, bases and whatever. So yeah, trying to uh, doing doing some molds for uh, pillars, these Roman temple pillars that that will look really cool with his army. So so yeah, um, and a little bit of painting here and there, but uh, not not a ton. So what what's getting paint on it? Um, the Chaos Warriors, um, I touched up a few, what else? Um, oh, some Beast Claw stuff. Just, I noticed some chips and, you know, just kind of touched up a couple things on some Beast Claw. Um, I need to finish the bases of the Beast Claw, so I was, I was kind of doing some base work on those. So, sweet, just little stuff, nothing too major. Haven't embarked upon any new hobby journeys? Nothing too crazy yet, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of in that that flux period right now. So, so yeah. How about you, Ty? Oh man, I'm, <laughs> I'm deep into it. Deep, deep. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse my my list here a little bit. Uh, so January first, I made a commitment to myself to log my hobby progress in a in a journal. I can't remember if I really talked about my hobby journal in the last episode, but um, thinking I probably did. I'll keep it short. Just doing the day the project, the time it takes, and what I accomplish. Um, so after I finish a hobby session, I sit down and I write in my journal. I was flipping through it today, looking, and, and I've got a, you know, about a 36-day hobby streak going. Um, where And I, I really hadn't made a focus. I haven't been tweeting, like, hobby streak day 24, <laughs> hobby but um, I, haven't, I haven't missed a day uh, since, since the first of the year. Um, and I, I think the journal is helping me with that accountability as, as is a, a deadline with, with <laughs> Holy Wars. Um, but more so than anything, just, you know, writing what I did, writing the steps, the, the paint colors. I'm also giving myself a guide because I, I did find that I hadn't done something on, uh, on a model and I couldn't remember the exact steps. So I went back and I was like, Oh yeah, that was the, the order I applied the, you know, the base and the wash and the highlights and what colors I use. So it, it has been helpful. Um, Someday I'll probably try to move it to like an Excel sheet or something, but uh, for now it's just this old blank Star Wars composition journal that I bought at you know Barnes and Noble years ago, um, and, and laid blank. So I'd highly recommend just you know organizing your your progress. Don't give yourself a to do list unless you're really like a, a big fan of the to do list. But talk about what you did. I'm finding that has helped me more than anything else. Um, just to think about what did I actually get done in this paint session and how long did I spend on it? 
Uh, so that that would be my my hobby advice to anyone out there that's you know facing down um, a, a bit of progress they got to make. And then um, so with Holy Wars coming up, I've been doing a, a a lot of painting of my my army project for Holy Wars. Um, you know all the conversion work, all the painting, different techniques. Um, I actually did not go. Why my games played is slightly less because I I took um, I took the weekend of. Wapaka and and I was hemming and hawing about it. Couldn't make up my mind, and I I canceled. I sent a an email to to Raj, the uh, TO. Said, "Hey man, something came up. I got to back out." And then Nicole let me kind of just bury myself in the basement, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I you know I stayed up till three in the morning each night painting, and I logged probably twenty hours of time at the the paint desk mm-hmm. that weekend to get fifteen models mm-hmm. of the forty some just done. So got got that done in that Wapaka weekend. Uh, locked away, chained to the hobby desk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I think that was a good decision, right? It felt like it got you over the hump. Like, I think you were like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get yeah, this done. It, and now, now I don't know where it, it feels like, even though you only have 15, like you're running, like I'm, you're I'm definitely can see place. your downhill, right? Yeah. Right downhill to the end. You and, seem less stressed out. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. As long as I stay focused and I, I put the time in when I can, I, I should be fine. You know, I've got. 11 models to paint like fully and i've got two or three to just do final detail work mm-hmm. on and then bases so and the basing scheme should go pretty quick once i just sit down and do the you know mm-hmm. sand little her starts bricks broken up here and there the occasional pillar and some some pinning so um if i give myself if i can get every painting done in the next 10 days and give myself five days leading up to the tournament to do my bases i'll be fine and i think i can get the painting done in five days and give myself 10 days for the uh the basing so cool and a big big thank you to bryce he's been you know he he's been my hobby accountability buddy when you you look at like the independent characters have their accountability Mm -hmm. uh buddies and paint programs bryce and i have been kind of driving each other to get progress done and hopping on discord every night for um some hobby sessions so his with his help with the airbrush and uh some blending techniques he taught me you know it's gonna it's gonna get done and we're both gonna have pretty cool you know i hate i don't like tooting my own horn because i'm not a good painter but um you know i I think we're both gonna have some pretty fantastic uh armies at at holy wars and, and some really good work that went into it so you know, we've we've jokingly started revealing some stuff on Twitter and t- mm-hmm. talking about tongue in cheek jokes about you know when when we'll show the world, but mm-hmm. uh, that's coming up quick. So we'll definitely get them out there on Twitter, and um, you know we always talk about putting pictures on the the Facebook or the the Twitter, but we'll make sure we do. I'll bring my stuff over for a professional photo shoot with your uh, macromats, Troy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, we have lights. I don't know if I have micromats, but I have, I have lights and professional lights with him. But I've been insane. I've been giving it a hard time. As I see this army coming together, I'm like, finish it because I want to see it done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's so much cool stuff that you're building there. I'm like, hurry up. I want to see it. So, mm-hmm. all, all will be revealed yeah. soon enough. The two weeks, you know, yeah, two like, and a half weeks. I like visiting Ty's house because he'll be like, oh, check this out. And yeah, I get to <laughs> see all the new stuff. So, yeah, it's awesome. All right, hobby table. Anything else? Mm, I think we talked it. about pillars, painting, infernal tower, holy wars, airbrush, blending, Twitter. Do we have to talk about Kickstarter? Um, no, I'm. I I think I'm stayed pretty. I have not. I'm. Did I not give any money? 
I shouldn't check. I'm not even going to look. I don't think, All I don't right. remember that I've given him money recently, but. Somebody check this man's PayPal account history. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh, you, uh, you put this on here. You talk about it. All right. <clears throat> yeah, so I just noticed, um, well, actually, a friend of mine uh, is a big ogre nerd from uh, Steve Jackson Games, and uh, he shot me a link to the Pocket Games of the 80s, uh, so it's the reproductions of the 80s uh, Pocket Games from Steve Jackson, so it's Illuminati, Ogre, GEV, Battlesuit, Car Wars, Truck Stop, Crash City, Undead, uh, necromancer and raid on iran and there's tons of stretch goals tons of extras add-ons a whole bunch of craziness what's up why are you shaking your head because i bought these in the 80s well right i and know they, and they were and they're like I, there's a nostalgia factor here but no like no like I, if you like you go back and you open it up and you open up that car wars game and you're like this is just a couple pieces of paper and some little right. cutout cars I, i'm not saying it's like earth shattering i'm just saying it's like a nostalgic reproduction of these games so if you're interested it's out there there's 20 days left i don't know why you guys are crapping on me i thought it was cool i thought it was cool hey man like like what you like it's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rain on you on air i'll leave that up to troy i ran on you and we're off mic (laughs) it's cool if you actually still have your pocket game from the 80s Uh uh-huh reprint i just don't like reprinting it doesn't like i doesn't don't know do it, it doesn't you. do anything for me like if, right. yeah, if i dig in an old like if i go in john's basement mm-hmm. i'm sure i'm gonna find one of these things so if you walk in the games plus down in the mm-hmm. chicagoland area yep. and you see their their drawer full of old out of print stuff mm-hmm. and you see a copy of i don't even know what this is but um truck stop are you gonna buy mm-hmm. the old original copy of truck stop no because i keep like it's one of these. It's like playing um, like a video game, like playing um, Jet Moto on your PlayStation Two or whatever. Like it you, doesn't I'm, hold up, right? I remember, like, oh, this was so cool, and you jumped yeah. over the waterfall, and then you throw it in, like you can run it up on your on your three or your four as the you know, and you're like, this sucks. This is <laughs> <laughs> like this is a bunch of pixels. How come in my yeah. mind and the same thing like remembering playing Car Wars. It's like, oh yeah, we did this, and then, but then you pull it out, and you're like, man, like there's so much better now. Like, so I, like I think, I'm gonna play Gaslands now instead. I think like, what what it reminds me of too, and it, it's kind of funny now in in hindsight. We've been talking. So recently was the 30 year, I think, anniversary of Hero Quest being released, mm-hmm. which is a, a game that was near and dear to a lot of people in our game group and and those of us here at the table. I don't know if I sat down to play Hero Quest again. If I'd be like, this is amazing. It was so great at the time, mm-hmm. but I, it's one of those things where I think that's that's a hard thing to hit and to do well. So I'd I'd be interested, you know, how the how the Kickstarter does and, and what happens. But some of those games in general have just come so far. It's mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's tough to go make the the old new again. Mm-hmm. Well, and and to be fair, these are just those pocket games right there. They're the small little form factor mm-hmm. fit in your pocket. They're not like big flashy miniatures or anything crazy it's just Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, just throwing that out there for nostalgia for folks that are interested i'm not you know well i'm sure they've made a billion dollars they they made a they 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 made made plenty yeah they they hit their goal i know that um and there's 20 some days left so um yeah anyway um just throwing that out there i'm not i'm not saying you have to jump in i'm not i'm probably not going to jump in but um 
Just thought it was interesting. Now that we've jumped all over Josh, yeah, I'm going to jump all over Steve Jackson even some more. Yeah, get Whoa, him. Get him. What did I, Steve Jackson do to us? Well, now it's what Simon did, too. Oh, okay. Well, Simon uh, will. So, there's a game out there that some people really enjoy. Um, I think you have to be a crazy person to really like it when you get down <laughs> to the root of what the game actually is and the, the randomness and the reskinning that they've gone through. But Munchkin... Uh, a card game that evidently is accessible and gets people in the gaming. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Love it or leave it. Play it or slay it. Don't play it. Just slay it. Uh, Munchkin is a card game. Well, Simon, in, in partnership with Steve Jackson, has launched a Kickstarter or announced a Kickstarter for Munchkin, I think, Dungeon or Munchkin Quest. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but it's coming soon, and it's models that, you know, are like... Simon does like zombie side style um and you know i'm speechless with my disdain and disgust for this project <laughs> um i don't know where to go other than i i saw it and i was i got mad i a legitimate my first response was anger why would they do something like this um and then I thought about it, I'm like, well, because they're, it's a cash grab and it's going to be a terrible game and it's a concept and theme that sucks, that's you know a theme that rips off um, the fantasy genre in general and makes light of things. But yeah, so I saw it out there and I just, I don't know, Troy, are you pulling it up now? Taking yeah, because I, I really, this totally missed me. I didn't, I knew you were mad at Simon, but I didn't know why. Um <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking at it. So So we'll we'll link man. to it. I, I mean cool. It'll be interesting to see if this where this lands in the Simon kicks like is it gonna be like a besieged or one of those ones that kind of came and went. Um they make plenty of money for Simon. I'm sure Simon's not losing money on it, but they don't, don't they don't I, like but I don't think it's the same the demographic. Mu- I, with the munchkin name, will that carry it or will it be like people who play munchkin are not miniature people and I don't know. Or will they? Yeah, I don't I don't think there will be. I think it'll launch. It'll be, they'll make their money. Um, but it's such a different demographic mm-hmm. and a different style of game. And if I can play Munchkin Quest or I can play like Descent or Massive Darkness or, you know, any number of other quest style dungeon crawl mm-hmm. games, I'm going to play those games. I'm not going to play a joke, you know, that mm-hmm. has been turned into a game. But I'll get off my my high horse of you know gaming gatekeeping because i'm not really gatekeeping i'm not saying like munchkin and simon are mine stay away filthy masses i'm just saying it's it looks crappy and i think it's going to be a piss poor excuse for a game so that's not gatekeeping right that's just negativity and it's pessimism just, it's just old man tupper <laughs> just tie being tie yeah. with yeah. a shotgun on the on the porch stick off my lawn <laughs> All right, so Kickstarters that have shown up at my door. Yeah. That's funny. Even though I didn't put these all in here, these all showed up at my door. That's funny. Um, uh, Zaya, uh, what is it? What's the full name? Drift Legend, System. Legends of, Legends, Legends Legends of a Drift. Drift System. It was funny. I saw something on Twitter where somebody's like, what is this game? And I'm like, wow, you amazing. need to play this. It's amazing, right? I'm, I don't know if I replied or not, but it's amazing. Um, so mission, it's just uh, they did a quick Kickstarter to add some additional missions and powers just cards that you add in um we need to get this game yeah so so um paul uh has Mm -hmm. requested if we have a a zia uh, zaya game Mm -hmm. night Mm 
we invite him because he has only played at a con once and loves the game and wants in on a uh, a session only since he is a, a doctor of english only if he can tell us how to say it correctly <laughs> So all right, Zia all the time. Yeah, so that is that is his. It adds to the mystique when we it don't. Do, yeah, don't it's know. true. It's true. So Josh, when you plan one of those regular board game nights uh-huh. that I think was in your goals. Yep, it's in my um, goals. Maybe we'll do that. And because I know, yeah, there's people. Like Paul, I know Dan. Like we've been many, many requests for us to get this to the table and play. So, um, all right, we'll, we will do that. Um, the other thing that hasn't shown up physically but digitally has is Dave Taylor's wonderful painting book armies legions and hordes um so i think that if you got the pdf version he's made available uh started to read and look through that um i think is it abnet who has the has the foreword in it again it's i just start it's one of those things i want to slowly kind of go through it's just really yeah, dave take your time looks like he added a yeah. lot yeah there's a lot of love and care in that thing and and the people that got he got to help out with it uh is pretty amazing and finally, this is also digital. digital. Drive through RPG sent me an email. Mm-hmm. Me too. And uh, it was Outbreak Undead, second edition, the Game Master's Guide PDF is out there in its final form for download the Kickstarter backers. Um, the books are making their way through printing and will be shipped soon. Um, and that has me very excited because then having the, the player's guide and the GM's guide can dive into a full um, experience of second edition Outbreak Undead. Um, I've started actually typing up some notes for a five-event uh, five kind of story arc, mm-hmm. like mini campaign. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly motivated and excited to get that underway once we get through the, uh, the Adepticon swirl. Sweet. And then probably after I'm married, because that's going to be a significant <laughs> amount yeah. of time and there's, energy there's and some, resources yeah, you uh, that will be going into that. that. But summertime, Outbreak Undead um, will will happen once uh, once that is all done. Cool. And what you could do, you could like we could plan it and like run it up to finish around Halloween. Yes. Ooh. Could be a monthly game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, idea. All right, so that's Kickstarter. Um, you know, the only thing I've got left to say about Kickstarter is Simon um, better do something great after this. I mean, I the next know. thing better be great because this is a, a step back. But other news, who's got this one? A reboot? So I just, yeah, I just stumbled on this and... Um, there that space cowboys has kind of i think i don't remember where they were at some convention they were they announced they're rebooting the time stories game so what they're going to do is well interesting is they're closing out the what they're calling the white box version um i think they they said here's the last one and i don't look at the names because i don't want to be spoiled um so i've already just <laughs> forgot it how do you how do you purchase them at the, at the i don't neil does oh okay yeah right. I, I have i He's, you close your eyes. You I close my eyes. I door. have people that do things that, and I just show up at the table. Like, and, <laughs> um, but so I'm like kind of excited around one that they're kind of closing out that arc. So that's going to be kind of cool. And then they're going to do. I think they're calling it a blue. Then they're going to reboot it, and they're actually going to. It sounds like they're going to change a bunch of mechanics, and um, probably because as you looked, I mean, I don't know how long this time story's been out. 
three-ish years, something like that, probably 2016 yeah, three, or something three, like four that. Years. Um, so you've seen kind of that genre of the whatever you want to call the time stories game, right? Or whatever that um, kind of the legacy. It's not. Yeah, it's kind of a legacy game. Play once, legacy puzzle puzzle-ish game, right? The unlocks. Um, you've seen a lot of changes in that, so I think they've seen a lot of things that are going on. And even Space Cowboys, I think they do. Is they do the unlock game or the one of the? They have their own version of like an escape room type game. So I think they've learned a lot. So it's interesting that they're gonna like here. We're gonna close out the arc on Time Stories, and then kick off a new arc. What they're calling the Blue Box, and it sounds like they'll significantly change the mechanics around. You're gonna have like a character deck, and you'll be able to play. They will not be like a starter box, is my understanding. So each game itself will probably be self-contained, which again makes it because that was kind of one of the initial things. Like you had to buy into Time mm-hmm. Stories, right? So, so I'm like really excited. There, um, I think it's out on Board Game Geek News is the the full article if you want to get all the all the details. But it's cool. Um, yeah, so part of me is just really excited to kind of like get closure on because we've been playing all the Time Stories games in order. <laughs> Um, and I think so. We only have probably one or two. I think two. There'll be like two, maybe three left in the thing because I think we're pretty close to the end. Um, so super excited for that. Excellent. Awesome. I will. Um, I'm gonna go Google that and dig into it to find out more. All right. Um, so one one thing I wanted to put in the other. It's it's hobby adjacent, gaming adjacent is uh, Games Workshop magazine White Dwarf, uh, the Ultimate Warhammer magazine. They kind of re rebranded, not rebranded, but relaunched a new format for the um, the White Dwarf magazine, the monthly issues. And, and what they did in January is they included the new rules uh, for Age of Sigmar skirmish, kind of a, a second edition um, of the skirmish book that had been released as a separate uh, print. It has modified battle plans. It has you know updated renown point system. Um, and just a, a refresher of, of what the rules are, um, amongst many other articles and, and the content. You know, I think I think you're paying nine or ten dollars now for a, a white dwarf, but um, it is it's just it's such a nice magazine. Um, and the the how to, the tips, the pictures it's it's come back to what it really <laughs> used, used to, to be, be right? of a yeah. great hobby Any, uh, magazine. Yeah, we say come back, but it's again even. Like from Better. a context point, but now, yeah, just the the art and the layout and everything is so much is even better. But yeah, we're kind of back to the the old days of White Dwarf. Where we had rules in White Dwarf, and I think it's even more. I mean, it's even more dense in yeah. terms of the amount of material that's in each one. It takes me basically a month to work my way through it. By the time, yeah, I'm like, then you get a new one, and then a new one shows up. Right, it's like, and <laughs> oh, I better finish up. So, cool. Um, then the, the other thing we're, we're kind of pop culture content consumers here. And we often talk about what we've seen or listened to or watched, uh, during my hobby binge over the, uh, the weekend of Wampaka spent a lot of hours without people on discord to talk to. And I, I watched a ton of Netflix stuff and one that I actually got distracted from my painting and just sat down and watched was a new Netflix uh, original movie called Polar, uh, starring Mads Mikkelsen. Um, it's based on a Dark Horse uh, comic. Um, it's different, and it's very different from the comic, but it's about a, a hitman who's at the end of his career, um, and as all great hitman movies, like Think John Wick, he goes on a, a trail of revenge. Um, so hyper-violent, 
super super graphic and, and adult content but uh just a really fun vengeance style movie watching him go back and uh get back at the people that wronged him um and he's he's great he's just he's perfect for that role uh super fun movie i think it's about two hours long on on netflix now cool yeah i saw the trailer on that and so now I'm, maybe i'll move it to the the playlist not at all kid friendly no. <laughs> uh, at all at um, <laughs> or really any anybody that's not into hyper violent and shoot 'em up um you know hitman style movies all right well that wraps up that segment pretty soon here we're gonna get our friend dan the lonely havocs on the line and sit down for some questions and banter and and dialogue group group therapy maybe uh with with him so <laughs> We'll have our segment with him when we come back from a short break. And after that, we'll get back into The Builders. All right. We'd like to welcome to the show Lonely Havoc, or Dan, as he's known by most people. Or maybe not. Most people might know him by Lonely Havoc. We'll, we'll figure out. I'm not, would you know more people on the internet or more people in your real life might be the thing. So, But welcome, Dan. Hello, welcome. everybody. Hey, thank you. <laughs> glad to have you on. Um, it, it's been fun lining this up. Took us a while, but we're, we're glad we could work it out and, and get you on the microphone with us. Uh, should be a fun time. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me, man. It's awesome. So, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So, on your show, um, you tend to do a thing called 20-odd questions with your guests. Yes. So, we thought we would steal it and flip the tables on you and give you our version of our 20-odd questions. Although, you may recognize a couple of them. We, didn't, we, haven't, given, we haven't taken all your regulars, but a couple of them we snuck in here uh, to be the regulars. So, so, you know, what is the very first question? Yeah. What's my favorite paint color? There it is. (laughs) Yeah, obviously it's Havoc Pink. (laughs) I mean, that's not even a joke. Like, I literally use it for, like, everything. Like, I just put it in everything. Like, I'm painting something green. I'll put some Havoc Pink in it. It makes, like, a cool pale green. Painting something blue. I'll put some Havoc Pink in it. Fuck it, whatever. (laughs) And I bought some. And it's actually a really nice color. And, like, if you paint Nurgle, because all my shit's Nurgle, so, like, everything's got blood and guts and pustules, and it's, like, just a perfect color to, like, highlight shit. Havoc Pink everywhere. Even in in your coffee? Yeah. I put that shit on toast. You know, like, toast yeah. You, you paint them before you eat them. It comes with that little extra packet of uh, frosting. I throw, the, I, I, throw the, I throw the fucking frosting into the trash can immediately, and then I just have it pink, and I put it on. Awesome. Don't need it. All right. What was your very first miniatures game? My very first miniatures game was Space Hulk. Yes. Yeah, you remember, yeah, you know about Space Hulk. Yeah, I'm pointing at the screen right now because I'm looking at these guys on my screen and I unbuttoned my pants like two seconds ago. Space Hulk was the first game I got back in 1988, 87, whenever that came out. Um, my dad was playing Warhammer Fantasy Battle and I'm not huge on like fantasy stuff and so he was like playing that. I'm like, I don't really care about that. And then he... Um, 
he's like, oh, this game's pretty neat. It's like by the same people. And I was like, oh, the cover was so awesome. You remember the cover? Mm-hmm. Like had the dude like shooting the Tyranids were coming at him and stuff. And I was like, this is like the coolest thing ever. And like begged him to get it. And so he got it and put the models together for me and everything. And yeah, uh, I still have a, a copy of the original one. Yeah, I have a bunch, and, and that's a little bit. That's funny. That's a little, that goes a little bit of our the origin story where we met you was when yeah. you played in uh, the Adepticon in my Space Hulk event where we printed out five or six years ago, um, and then at that point we kind of all I think. Um, Tyler Mengel also was in that same game. Yeah. And yeah, we kind of yeah. all, at that point, we all like traded Twitter handles and that's, I've been following you ever since. And that's kind of how we've, you know, at least stayed in touch, uh, you know, remotely. So that was a really cool game, man. Like it was just so like, everything was so huge. And I like the board that you guys had, like with the, uh, the three dimensional walls okay. and all that stuff. Yeah. Just like when we saw it, we we're like, Oh my God, this is like the most amazing thing we've ever seen. Like we were like <laughs> shitting our pants. It was so cool. Dude. So, I definitely want to do another one of those again. It's just really neat. Yeah, we keep with the Tyranids and stuff. In. Yeah. We keep getting bigger and better. So I don't know. Although at some point I can't grow anymore. So we'll, yeah, we'll the table out. ends at yeah, some table point. At 12, yeah. I'm 12 by six yeah, yeah. is my max. That's well, what do, at but. some point it becomes a Oculus rift yeah. like space right. Hulk. You give everybody a VR mask yeah. and you just turn <laughs> them loose. full yeah. immersion. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, uh, the gene stealers! I'll just run around poking people with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what is your favorite guilty pleasure? My favorite guilty pleasure. I don't feel guilty about really anything, so that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, I have just pleasures. I don't know if I really feel guilty about anything. I just tend to enjoy myself, no matter what it is. Um, you know, maybe. Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be guilty. Yeah. My my brother's a big Kelly Clarkson fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's great. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't I, I tend to not I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I don't feel that guilty about stuff anymore, so <laughs> <laughs> Like my mom tried to, she tried to make me feel guilty about everything, and after a while, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So I know you've been uh, DMing Star Wars uh, Edge of the Empire RPG. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you play other uh, RPGs as well, like D&D and other things, and the Pathfinder and stuff like that? Or um, I would love to play RPGs, but I always GM all of them. Uh-huh. Um, so I haven't played a game in, like, years and years and years. Um, I do GM also the Star Trek Adventures game. <laughs> um, if you've seen that one, it's, like, a couple of years old now, maybe three or four years old. Is that Modifius? Yeah, yeah, the Modifius one, and it's just, I'm a a Star Trek nerd, like, nut, like, me and Star Wars and Star Trek, like, I, you know, from day to day, one, I like more one than the other, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's just a cool game, and I actually started a group, um, recently with that, a buddy of mine got the book, and he's like, we need to play, and I was like, oh, I get to play, because you're going to GM, and I was so excited, (laughs) 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 and then he disappeared, I was like, oh, man, so I bought the book and I was like, all right, I'll get some people together. So I got a pretty a nice group right now. We're just getting into it, but I would love to play a game. I never get to play. We'll have to, maybe we'll have to line something up. We can get like a, a yeah. podcaster, uh, roll 20 game going. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be down like four flat tires, dude. I'm just, I just want to play like <laughs> derail people's shit, you know? <laughs> well, that's, that's a great lead in. Cause my, my next question for you is what's your DM style? Prepare everything or just sit down and wing it. So what I usually do um, is I write, I just write a story, basically. And I write events that are going to happen regardless of what the, the player characters do. 
So no matter where they are in the story, if they're following some weird ass lead or they think they're they're on to the right track, but they're not, then an event that's always going to happen regardless of where they are will occur. And either they're going to be involved in it or they're going to hear about it while they're off doing something else. So I try to keep things pretty chronological in my mind of like how I feel the story is going to play out. And so the characters don't necessarily affect the overall outcome. They just sort of affect where they're going to be involved in the overall story, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in essence, I do prepare because I write like I'll write like six or seven pages of like just like notes of, OK, this is going to happen. This is going to happen at this moment. And this will happen. If they're here, then they'll hear about it. If they're here, they'll get, you know, in the mix. But, um, yeah, but then a lot of times I just, like, wing it, and I'm usually standing up and, like, acting shit out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I had to, like, a buddy, like, last, I did a one-shot a couple of weeks ago, and this guy's like, oh, I want to sneak into this casino. It was a Star Wars thing, and it was a casino planet, because, you know, there's only one feature on every Star Wars planet. So this is a casino planet. And um, the casino the, the syndicate that owned that particular casino didn't know this character at all. He's like, oh, I'm going to sneak in. I was like, okay, they don't know you, but that's fine. So like, I got up you know, and I kind of like snuck around. I was like, you're doing this whole sneaking around thing, and they're staring at you like you're fucking crazy because they don't know who you are. And, and so, yeah, I'm always up out of my seat, and I, you know, I like to I do dry erase board and I like draw stuff out, and I'm always like kind of just like tapping people, and I'm like, oh, and then you do that. Like, I'm just a hyper, super hyper. Yeah. <laughs> It's exhausting. <laughs> Take a nap before, go right to bed after. Nice. Yep. <laughs> my blankie and I'm out. <laughs> so if I was playing the Dan card, uh, a la Magic the Gathering, uh, yep. what is your mana type and cost? Ooh, um, it's going to be a mix between black and blue. And it's probably going to be like a lot of both. And it's not going to be any colorless because we don't fuck around with that. It's going to be straight black, <laughs> straight blue, black like my heart, blue because I like to trick people and fuck with them. And it's probably like all your female characters come over to my side of the table and they get tapped. <laughs> <laughs> That's solid. <laughs> I love it. With haste. <clears throat> All right, what? Let's let's take it to the the hobby side for a minute. What is the yeah, yeah, best yeah. piece of hobby advice you've ever received? Could be a technique, a tip, uh, just a mantra. Um, mine is, and I don't know where I learned this from. I think I've always been this way: is cut first, ask questions later. Uh, because a lot of the conversions and things that I've come up with, I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, I'll cut this arm off and hopefully I can replace it. Or like, you know, like, maybe I'll pop this head off or I find a head that I like and I'm like, I'm going to build a model around the head. And like, that's it, you know, like, because when I'm doing, my, my wife calls me a mad scientist. I, I have like a, uh, an apron that I wear and it's like white and it's got like shit all over it because like I work with resin and all kind of stuff. And she's like, oh, you're mad science. And I'll just be like, just cutting arms off of stuff and I'm like, eventually something will fit together like, you know, it's, it's, you know, cut first, ask questions later because it's just plastic, dude. Like, who gives a shit if you, you could get another one or, yep. you know, whatever. It's not the end of the world. You know, if something gets messed up. But, I mean, I don't, I don't really know where I learned that. That's just kind of what I've always done. Like, 
and now you know I get stuff, and I'm like, oh, this is a really cool Forge World model that cost me two hundred bucks. Yeah, I I don't know anyone that buys basically two armies to make one army. Um, there's nobody like that at this table. But uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, that's awesome though, man, because it's like totally unique whenever you do that. But it's just you know, don't you just got to be fearless. You know, just be fearless. So what uh, what finally pushed you over the edge to start podcasting? Um, so I've been doing videos for a very long time on YouTube mm-hmm. and a lot of people just weren't watching them. And I mean, it's like one of those things. There are so many Warhammer 40k, um, bat rep videos that it's like, you just kind of get lost in the mix. And like, uh, I was doing videos for dystopian wars. I was doing videos for 40k and did a couple videos for Sigma and dystopian wars actually got the most views. And I think it's because there's not a huge like market for dystopian wars there's not a lot of people playing it so i was like well i'm not really gonna like make a, a dent by making 40k videos and i was like i'm gonna find something else and whenever i would do a video it literally would take like two or three days to like edit it record it and like render it and then upload it because youtube uploader sucks ass and then like it just took forever to do so i was like what's well, simple what's another thing i can do to like get my voice out there and i was like i'll just do podcasts because everybody everybody's doing a podcast right yeah and i actually um i actually enjoyed it and i mean really like bang for the buck like i just have so much fun doing it like when i'm doing the videos i don't get to talk to people but when i do the podcast i talk to a different person every week and then like i make a new friend every week kind of is what i feel so yeah, That's awesome. It seemed like the natural progression of of me um, just yelling at, uh, into the void. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, the Havoc cast, um, yeah. in one of your latest episodes, you admitted you haven't uh, watched The Lord of the Rings. I'm um, yeah. just wondering if you've rectified that since then. I haven't. That was only like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like... I don't know. It's been busy. I've had a lot of Voyager to catch up on, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I've been watching a lot of TV. Yeah, <sighs> I'm just calling you out. That's all. <laughs> I'm, I plan on it. I mean, you know, I, and I should be called out. I definitely should. Like, I plan on it. I, I told Albert that I would, and it's just you know, like I'll pro- I'd have to go buy the DVD because I don't have it. You know, I'd have to go buy it or find some way to watch it. So that's the first thing. You know. Ugh. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a chore. Like if, someone came by, if someone, one of you guys came by the house and had the Blu-ray and was like, "We're gonna watch it," I'd be like, "Cool, let's do this shit." All right. you know, but like, have to go out. And find it and excellent, excellent. Yeah. So in the in the movie of your life, and this yeah. was a question you've asked before. In the movie of your life, who plays your wife? Who plays my wife? Oh, um, I flipped it. It's easy. Uh, what's the? What's the? She just played. Uh, she just played the new Mary Poppins. What's her name? Emily Blunt. Emily yep. Blunt. Nice. Yes. Good choice. Yep. Good I choice. I always tell my wife she looks like Emily Blunt, and she's like, she's like, you're being really nice. I'm like, you guys have the same like face shape. We have the same shape face. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's not British at all, though. But. I was just gonna say, you know, does she have an accent? Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 All right, this this one I don't know if this will be tough or not. I I hope it is going to be a difficult question. 
You only get to keep one of these types of dice roll. The rest, the other type, you never get to make that kind of dice roll again. Okay, your, okay. your two choices here are an initiative roll or a disgustingly resilient roll. Oh, fuck initiative roll. I have to do disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I am the master at five plus six. Like, ask anybody that I played with, and they'll tell you how annoyingly good. I don't know if it's good is the word because is that a skill? Or how lucky I am that I make five plus rolls, but I can't make a two up save. Like, if I run Terminators, they die, like, immediately. It's, it's stupid. But I will make a five plus save all day long. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm just, boom, kill it every time. I was playing um, at Adepticon, what, two years ago. I was playing against this guy that was, it was Necrons, and I had one uh, Blight Lord Terminator, like, in the backfield, like, just kind of wandering around doing his thing. And he was on an objective, so this guy's like, oh, I'm just going to kill him off the objective. And he blasted me with everything in his army that was in range, and I just kept doing four up because it was in Vol 4. Five up, five up, disgusting reason. Like, the whole time, this dude got so pissed. <laughs> it was a friendly tournament, and it got real unfriendly all of a sudden. He was getting mad. Like, he was, like, slamming his dice down. I was like, whoa, hey, hey, man. It's not my fault. Oh. This is how I roll. I can't help it, man. Yeah. I, all right. Got to have it. Five up. So you're going to always go last, but you're going to be living forever. I like it. Yeah, that's what yep. I do. That's my thing. All right, next one. You a video game guy at all? Play any computer games? I'm, I'm awful at video games. I think the last video game I played was like um, Black Ops. Mm-hmm. Okay, like yeah. Five years ago, six years ago or something. Well, then yeah. I'm, I'm going to shift from a, a video. I was going to ask you what video game setting you'd want to live in and why, but I'm going to go to a role-playing game. What RPG okay. setting, if you had to be a resident in that world, where are you living? Huh. Oh, man. That's a tough one. I mean, you know, not to bring it up again, but it would have to be Star Trek because it's like a utopian society that doesn't use money and Native Americans are still alive on ships. (laughs) 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 There you go. It pans out pretty good for the Mexicans, too, right? Like, there's an Edison Gomez on TNG. But she spilled coffee on Picard one time, and I'm like, yeah, the Ensign Gomez, we got Mexicans in space. And everyone's like, I don't remember that. I'm like, dude, dude, legit. <laughs> and then Chicote, he's Native American. Chicote, right? so yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like everybody is like the best at, at who they can be. Like, Star Wars is, pretty, is good. I love Star Wars. I fucking love Star Wars. But, like, it's not, you know, Star Trek is like this everyone's educated, everyone knows how to do everything really well. Um, cool uniforms, uh, seven of nine. I mean, what's not to like <laughs> about the Star Trek universe? And I would be there, like, you know, just flying a ship or, like, blowing up Borg or something. Be so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, knowing that you eat generic fruity pebbles with almond milk uh, for yeah. breakfast, do you ever feel like your life is just a simulation? Um, you know, I've wondered that. You remember, like, Matrix, where it's like, if you have deja vu, there's a glitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I have deja vu, like, all the time. Like, all the time. Like, is, this, is this, like, a glitch? Like, is this real? Like, is this really happening? I've, I've done this before. And, um, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's some deep stuff. Probably. I'm going to say probably. Mm-hmm. But it's not a very good simulation, and I don't know who's playing it or watching it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about that at breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> right. But 
I will go on record as saying fruity dino bites taste yeah. exactly the same <laughs> as fruity pebbles. Okay, all the other bag cereals have this weird, like maybe there wasn't enough sugar, or like there's a bunch of fucking horse hooves ground into it. Like I don't know what it is, but like fruity dino bites taste exactly the same <laughs> as fruity pebbles. Exactly. Like the same. Blind blind taste it's test. Factory, but like, yeah, it's like it's in the same factory because it's like a different. They shoe. just sort them out. Yeah. 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 They're the rejects, but they taste the same. They're from the same batch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the same thing. There's like one guy like sorting it, and he's just like sneezing on the bag the bag half. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Um, I'm gonna ask you about. Uh, convention stuff. I'm not sure how many conventions you go to. I know you go to Depticon. Not sure other stuff, yeah. but do you have uh, a favorite convention experience or uh, event or something that you went to? Um, so yes, I mean I go to a Depticon every year. I've been, I mean I've been going for like six or seven years now, maybe more. I, I don't even remember. Um, I did go to Gen Con last year. Um, yeah, last year. Oh, you August. missed us. We didn't and see you there. In the sixty thousand people, we're we're there a lot. Oh, I yeah, mean, it's so small. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't believe we didn't bump into you. I was over in the the Lucas Oil Stadium. I was running games for Contessa, which is an organization mm-hmm. which promotes um, people of color, uh, women, marginalized yep. people. Um, you know, and uh, so I was running games with them, and I was running demos of Warhammer Forty K. And so we got someone donated like the starter sets to us, and we painted them, and we brought like a couple of tables. And it was just like a hilarious fun day because in that gaming space, there was like role playing games going on. And then there was me like yelling because when I play, I'm like really like, ah, like I'm going crazy. <laughs> and like, and I'm like encouraging people to like just get into it. And there was this one couple, and the husband was interested in 40K, and the wife like was like, okay, I'll try it out. And she ended up loving it because she played Nurgle, and then she got the disgustingly resilient role, <laughs> and she kept forgetting. And I was like, "Oh, you got disgustingly resilient, disgustingly resilient." And she's like yelling, "She's like disgustingly resilient!" <laughs> <laughs> she was like, her face off like every time. And when she made it, she was just like, "Yeah!" Like freaking out. And the husband's like, oh, "I fucking hate this game now." <laughs> his ass. And like all these role playing people were like turning around, like looking at us because we're just like yelling and cracking up the whole time. And it was it was so much fun. I had so much fun playing with them those guys like everybody that came uh, and played was awesome but that that one i remember the most because she was losing her mind and it was hilarious <laughs> cool all right we've we've followed you on twitter we've we've seen your work in progress stuff anytime you put up nurgle and and recently the the dark eldar looks amazing that you uh tweeted out there i think if not today that might have been yesterday yeah it was today what's the next big hobby project like you're you're staring it down. Maybe you're lining it up right now, starting to do a build. But what's what's the next big thing? I'm trying really hard to not start a second army for Sigmar, but all that ghost stuff looks really cool. Nice. And I don't know if my marriage could sustain it, but <laughs> I really like, like I have Slaves of Darkness, which Slaves of Darkness are they're okay, they're fair. They don't have a lot of extra rules and extra fl- like features, and so it's just kind of like it's just a hammer, you know. It's a blunt instrument, and you just smack your opponent with it, and you know, till you win. But um, like the ghosts have like so much more like finesse and different kind of things you can do with them. And I really just want to like paint some ghosts. I think like I keep seeing these really cool ghost paint jobs, and um, I don't know. I'm trying to talk myself out of this. It. Getting really hard. It's getting- well, you're you're talking to the wrong people. Um, <laughs> yeah. about talking out of a hobby project. Yeah. We definitely think you should go some like goats. 
Yeah. I should do some ghosts. Yeah. Goats or yeah. ghosts? Because I could do both. Yeah. <laughs> both, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a goat army. There we go. A bunch of a bunch of uh, dwarves riding goats. That would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, I played against dwarves the other day. God, it was brutal. They don't really have, like, rules, but they have, like, um, what do you call those? Like, battle tomes or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. And, oh, dude, my buddy, like, almost tabled me completely. It was brutal as shit. <laughs> <laughs> ghosts. Yeah, I'm thinking about ghosts. Excellent. Thinking about yeah. So we know we're, uh, you're big into music. Uh, what do you listen to when you hobby? Um, so this might be, so I'm, you know, I'm old. I'm a, I'm a gentleman of older age. Um, so I'm a big, big fan of Fiona Apple. Like her voice just like really soothes me. And like, I remember just listening to it when I was growing up in the nineties. And I just like, I put that album on when the pond and whatever, whatever, whatever I put that album on. Cause it just really like relaxes me and it's like sexy and it's just like nice and i love female singers voices and just like she's like one of my all-time favorites so i, I always put that on because it's just like super chill and it's just like it reminds me of being a teenager you know so like it's like let's put it on and i'm like ah that's my girl and i, I never like, would have guessed that in a million years i wouldn't have guessed that <laughs> i mean i just love female singers and she's one of my favorites like she has like one of the most soulful voices like ever and she's like this little tiny thing you've seen her like you know, yeah yeah and uh yeah and it's just i mean that's like the music that was like on when i was in high school you know so like it just it brings me back and i'm just like yeah it's just it just sounds good it feels good and i can just paint all day listening to that that's awesome and then sometimes i put on uh some mj like today did you see that video yeah my michael jackson video <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Dancing and painting. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So while you're listening, well, maybe when you were listening to Fiona Apple, um, and, you, and <laughs> you, you talked a lot about being proud of what you do and stuff, but do you have like a past project that you really, what that's like your favorite? Or this was the thing that I really put all my heart and soul into and I'm really proud of. Oh, man. You know, um, was it uh two three years ago uh i was playing 30k and i did one of the apocalypse battles at um adepticon and i ran something like a hundred something more like infantry and then like a shit ton of vehicles and i built and painted that army in about five or six months because i wanted to play that um adepticon apocalypse game and I just bought a shit ton of boxes of um, what's the box set, the 30k stuff, um, Battle yeah. of Kelth, right? Betrayal of Kelth. Yeah, yeah Kelth. Kelth. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Betrayal of Kelth. I bought like two or three of those boxes and just started building and painting. And I built like so many of them and painted so many of them in like such a short period of time. And they came out really well. I even made my own uh, custom bases. Like I, I make my own like resin molds and things. So I resin molded like all custom bases. Like I did this whole like whole thing. And I put it on the table, and everything died like in three minutes. <laughs> they were like, "Wow, that's a lot of infantry," and I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna be awesome." And like a titan came by and just like obliterated like my whole side of the table. I was like, well, that was fun. I I for five months, like I was so like just like deflated about the whole thing. But I actually ran that list in um, the uh, excuse me, I ran those models in a in a Death Guard list for the friendly that same year and i got like second runner-up for best painted and uh that was like a whole other thing but yeah it did really well awesome Awesome. yeah 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 so uh yeah speaking of painting and things um uh we've seen on twitter that uh you are doing um 
a painting class. I think it's at your local game store. Um, are you running that? I am. Um, so I've been playing at that game store probably like the last five years, six years or something like that. And so, you know, I'm friends with everybody that works there. I'm friends with the manager and the assistant manager and all these things. And um, they've always kind of had painting classes. But I think um, the last guy that worked there that did the painting classes, like he's been long gone. And um, they've just been meaning to have painting classes, but none of them really had either the time or maybe they didn't think they had skills enough to do the class, which, I mean, I was really flattered. They were like, they asked me if I would run the painting class. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, totally. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you want me to do? They just said, if you could paint, you know, come in and paint one day a week, um, that'd be awesome. And I was like, cool, I can do Sunday mornings. And I come in and I just hang out for about two hours and people bring all kind of stuff. And they ask me how to do, you know, shading. They ask me how to do highlighting, ask me how to do blending. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a case by case basis. I don't have like a, a fucking syllabus or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, let's, what do you got to show me what you're painting and let's talk about how to paint it and like what you what your end product you want. You know, and I'll show you how to get there. You know, it's been really fun. It's been a lot of kids, like like you know, ten, eleven year old kids, and yeah, you know, it's just when they're excited about it, like that gets me excited because that's when I started was when I was like eleven or twelve. So I get super hyped, and they're all hyped, and it's just like we're this is ridiculous. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, uh, where would be your dream vacation if you could go anywhere? Ooh, my dream vacation. Huh. You know, I really like, I really enjoy like camping and canoeing and things like that. So maybe somewhere with a lot of uh, like natural scenery, like natural beauty kind of thing. I went to Sedona in Arizona mm-hmm. for my um, 11th, 12th anniversary. Don't tell my wife. Can't remember. <laughs> and um, it was gorgeous. Like I would go back there because yeah. it has everything yeah. that I wanted. It's got like amazing like views. Like there's you know nature all around, and you know I just felt like really connected to the earth. And I know that sounds like really silly, but like I just felt like I was connected to that place, like in a real like deep spiritual kind of way, if that makes sense. And like I would just stand out there and just like soak it in and it was amazing and it's like man i would i would go back there i would love to go back there and it just it has like everything that i want it's so good you should go yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah sedona I've, I've been there yeah. it's incredible and what you're seeing that man, that spiritual yeah. connection like to the yeah. the place you get into some of those places where like people have stacked rocks and you see like all of these just cool vistas of the stone yeah. that nature has worn away for thousands of years it's yeah, that place is amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's it's gorgeous. Like just like breathtaking. Like people throw the word breathtaking around, but like it it was just breathtaking. Like I was just watching it. Like wow, this is. I mean, and you know, like I'm I'm a student of history, you know, and it's like really interesting to me, like how the land is formed and like all the people that lived there and kind of moved in and out of the whole place. And not only is it beautiful, but it just is. It has like so much history behind it. That's just part of the, the intrigue for me. Awesome. Believe it or not, we've got to 20. So you know what number 20 is. What do you, what do you have to promote? What do you want to share? What do you want to ask of our listeners? Questions? Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I'll promote myself because, I mean, why not? But you know what? Um, LonelyHavocs.com. You can go listen to the podcast and you can find me on Twitter at The Lonely Havocs. Of course, everybody knows that by now. <laughs> Um, I just put some T-shirts up on Teespring. If you want a T-shirt, you can go get one with the cool Lonely design i made on there so get those before games workshop shuts me down and <laughs> um, 
I'd also like to promote um, just, you know, kindness and listening to each other and being open. And uh, like I say on the podcast, you know, I love games because it's like it's an equalizer between people. Like we're all playing pretty much by the same rule book. And that makes a lot of sense to me. So I would say go out and play a game with someone you don't normally play with. Because uh, make a friend. And that's important. That's how it grows. And that's how we grow. Nice. Awesome. We appreciate you coming coming on, taking some time to, to talk with us. Um, it's been great. Can't wait to see you at Adepticon. We'll, uh, we'll find yeah, you. And, we'll hang out. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Play it. Maybe yeah. get a game in. I'm omnipresent. I'm just all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I'll see you guys later. Thanks, man. Cool. Welcome back. What we're going to get into now is a play it or slay it review of Critical Mass. Troy, you want to give us a rundown? Sure. Uh, Critical Mass. Ragin versus Archon is the version I have uh, from Arcane Wonders. It's a mech combat game for two players, um, basically card-based, although there's a really cool, both players end up with really cool, what do you want to call it, control boards or boards that represent the mech. I um, think it only it runs, it's pretty cheap, uh, maybe less than about, maybe somewhere around $20, 15 yeah, somewhere, 15 20 bucks for it. Um, so... You are each, you and your opponent each get a mech. Uh, you're fighting it out um, with a deck of cards. Basically, those cards describe the different weapons, and there's action cards, weapon cards, defense cards. Uh, you have your hand. Basically, each player chooses secretly what they're going to play that turn. You reveal them. There's speed and and, and uh, other things on the card that says whether you go first. And then in the end, you're just trying to do damage to the other mech, and, uh, and that's who wins. Again, if you play defense, it's all about that kind of the rock, paper, scissors a little bit. Am I going to play defense when somebody's shooting their big laser? Um, and then as you go through your hand, basically, you're depleting it, and then there's some mechanics to kind of get take your hand back and, and be able to have more, more cards to play. There's also a mechanic to... You kind of have a sideboard, you want to call it, of what they call Tech 2 and Tech 3, which are kind of bigger weapons and cards that you can just kind of slowly get into your hand to make you more powerful. So in the end, it's kind of like who can kind of time things and if you can get maybe your, your massive weapon into your hand and be able to shoot the other guy, that might give you an advantage. Um, and then each of the weps, wep, or, uh, mechs has a little, uh, some special rules of, of their own to make them kind of unique. Um, but in the end, it, it's it's pretty pretty straightforward, but it is kind of fun around just that you know head-to-head battle and you know are you going to shoot your big laser am i going to shoot you're not and and you know a little randomness because you don't know what you're doing but there's also the psychological play like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna play my big my big <laughs> shoot you and I'm, you end up then feigning and like you know i'm just gonna use my defense and recharge um, while you were doing something else so uh so a little bit of you know trying to outthink the other person um like I said, at this price point, I, w- I was actually surprised that the, the art is, is pretty cool. A nice, heavy cardboard board, um, plastic cubes that represent your armor. Um, so I, 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 I like the component quality. Um, the cards themselves are nice art. They're not super heavy, but, I mean, if you sleeve them or anything, it wouldn't be too much of a deal. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's another set with another two different mechs that you can either mix and match or that also plays on a standalone. So. 
So that's kind of critical mass. A few questions for you. Mm-hmm. Any customization to your deck, your yes. equipment or technology? Yes. Yes. So they do have like an out of the box on the back of the board. It says, here's like, if you don't want to think like, here's use these cards, Mm -hmm. but you have a, um, I think it's almost, I don't know, a a whole set of cards that you can then choose to make that sideboard. So what do you, what, and I think that's secret. So your opponent doesn't know what, what you've brought in. Are there, and you said there's two other mechs that are interchangeable, yep. so we have four mechs available. Yep, and there's some multiplayer rules too. If you, I was yeah. that was the next thing I was going to do is can you do a four player mega battle? Okay. Yep. Um, do I have to watch Pacific Rim <laughs> <laughs> to understand um, no, this? No, I don't no. think you. No, you could watch Evangelion or something okay. else. Well, I've asked all the questions I have. Um, I have, have a decision. Josh, do, go. Do you have to sit in a pod to play it? Um, no, but it helps. Okay. It helps kind of get in that headspace, right? Yeah. Yep. But, you, but you can play by yourself. You do not have to be like Pacific Rim and have somebody control the legs <laughs> while you control the head or whatever it is. <laughs> so. um, and, and there's no... There's no sense of like movement or position. It's just you. Um, yeah, not no. Okay, yeah, it's kind of the yeah standard yeah. head, yep, head card game. Yeah. Um, okay, you're kind of playing war against each other, right? A little bit, a little bit yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you? And, but you can specialize your deck towards defense or mobility more so than like a big hitting heavy weapons. And um, I think like the mechs themselves probably have some different ones okay. yeah. more to the other. Although I think a lot of the um, like a lot of the cards and the options are the same between the two um, the two mechs. So like I my my choices are pretty much are the same as what he can put into his. It's just which cards do I do mm-hmm. i put in and then it's just the mech itself his special rules that would give you the yeah and notice some of the the health on a couple of the different they're they're slightly different like um so yeah if you yeah there's four critical each mech has four critical components and that's what you're trying when you knock that all down but like you said each yeah. mech kind of may have i think they have probably a similar number right of, of health but where they're stored in the different which yeah. of those com- critical components they have so so yeah it, yeah they just giving some variation, right, to the to the different mechs. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Should we? You want to do it? Go. Want, uh, you want me to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, you go first. So I'll play it because I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had heard some good things about it from I think it was the uh, sit down and shut up guys. Um, just that, again, not saying it's like deeply. Uh, deep thought thing, but for what it is uh it's a lot of fun and creates some tension when you're trying to get the each figure out who's going to get the last armor up point off uh and uh and again some a little bit of strategy right am i going to feign and pull my my cards back into my hands so i have more options am i going to recharge and try and get my mm-hmm. pull stuff from my deck so there's there could create some options there but again pretty fast game about a half hour to, to get through it mm-hmm. all right so I have a, a uh, system for play or slay it. It might seem like I'm arbitrary and I, um, you know, on a whim may uh, face the wrath of Ty or like, oh, this game's great. I want to play it all day. Um, no, there's a system. And it's um, this game has accrued a high enough score to earn a play it rating uh, through my, you know, uh, selective questions for, for Troy. 
my review of the components and, and the price point. It has met its objective. I will play it. Um, I would like to see more customization. Um, I'm glad I don't have to buy a random box uh, for it. And um, I'll play it. I really wish all four mechs were in that box and it was a little tiny bit more expensive. Um, I I would probably have to buy both boxes to really be happy, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so then I'm talking about a $30 to $40 game versus a $15 to $20 game. Even still at the, the $30 to $40, I think maybe there's enough there to keep you satisfied. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll play it. I think, I think it's, it's cool. Um, I, uh, I kind of go along with the Weisses on the mechs are cool. I like giant robots. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Mechs, mechs are cool until you watch Pacific Rim, <laughs> but, um, that's a topic for another show. <laughs> or uh, a past show. Didn't we have that on a yeah, past show? Yeah. What, definitely talked about that. what I do want to do real quick while we're in play it or slay it, cause that's, yeah, a, I think bro. that's a resounding play it <laughs> for, um, mm-hmm. For critical mass, um, I want to revisit an old player slate. Oh. Some information has come to light. Ooh, oh, on KeyForge. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, um. I'm willing to give KeyForge another chance after talking to um, two uh, very informed and intelligent gamers that are well versed in us. card games. It's not yeah. us, Josh. You know, you know, well, the t- no, so so the, so Will Will shared some info about Keyforge that I don't believe made the demo or the uh, play it or slay it um, review like recap and intro. That in formats when you're playing your decks, it is highly recommended you do not play random decks as your first play experience. It is encouraged and even more so like written into the game that you have the starter the set. The starter sets are and your first yep. and your first play experience should be with the two preformed decks that are identical in every copy of the starter box that's out there. Uh-huh. They're exactly identical and tuned for head to head play. Uh-huh. The decks you purchase separately are not tuned at all mm-hmm. for competitive play. What they have introduced in competitive play is a chain system. Mm-hmm. As you win with your deck, you face limitations on your deck. So that super powerful deck will be cards down or draw. You'll be down, down cards draws. you draw yep. as you win. So you log your wins and play at a handicap to offset the random strength of said deck. Uh-huh. I still don't know if I would play it, but I wanted to share that information um, cause I'm not sure how much we focused on that aspect, mm-hmm. but one of the biggest detractors for me was that, how are you ever going to balance this and right. have a world in which there's any even ground? Yeah. So my recommendation is play the starter set cause evidently you have to do like, that's, yeah. that's just yeah. how you get your first exposure and it can greatly impact your, your takeaway feeling and experience, mm-hmm. um, with Keyforge. And the second part is, if you're going to be playing, you need to implement that when your deck wins, you play with that handicap of a chain acquired in order to have any sense of uh, balance or or, um, parity between random decks. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Having that 
that draw less or you know whatever that mechanic is to kind of yeah they'll see what the ch- <coughs> in my because there are some cards that play when you play them that are so powerful they immediately cause chains and then that mechanic the change mechanic kind of makes sense but it it doesn't seem like a lot of times it impacts that that so much um because ba- well, basically over time you get rid of the chains basically they they get rid of so like the handicap is there um it, it's definitely cool i mean as a mechanic it makes sense um, mm-hmm. just like the times we've seen it though it's like wow yeah it's still chains but you're still crushing whatever whatever that that deck is so it depends on the the power and the cards and so forth so sure but at least there, there is a right, and I think, and, and, and it totally makes for. I think that's as they want to do um, organized play, right? Because then I think officially, because as that, those get logged, then like that's where then they'll like be official. So if you ever show up with that deck yep. to an organized thing, it's that's listed where, in there. It's yeah. listed and be like, yeah. hey, guess yeah. what? This thing starts out with three chains because you've won three tournaments with it or whatever. Right. The heck the, yeah, so I thought those were important yeah. elements that are worth sharing uh, just to better inform opinions and reviews. So, for sure, uh, an episode or two ago, yeah. whenever it was, <laughs> um, I think you know that that can color uh, a review yeah. a little bit. Knowing that now, um, I'd still I, I don't know if enough changes with that for me yeah. to change my opinion. Yeah. But I wanted to go from a game where I, <laughs> uh, you know, I I played it to go back to something yeah. where. Um, I yeah. slayed it pretty hard and, and yeah. gave some. Well, and the trick is, I don't, I haven't tried to buy Keyforge lately, but like you can't, you could not find the starter box yeah, either. That was always they're the gonna. Trick. I, like, I don't own have it. To like do it's funny, right? Run. Yeah, uh, and I don't. Yeah. Know, I mean, that was a while ago. I haven't looked, even tried to look for it lately, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Cool. So while we were in play it or slay it, I just wanted to, you know, throw that that out there. So we'll find some decks that we know are not. Are semi decent and we'll make tie play again. Mm-hmm. Now that he's got his own deck, or mm-hmm. or I'd like to see you know play three times, and if you win the first mm-hmm. two with your deck, do the what does that do to the experience? Right. How how does that level the the field if if at all? Yep. Because um, I think that would be relevant. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. All right. So to recap, critical mass, play it around the table. Josh wants four max. Mm-hmm. I think any mech is is a cool mech. Troy's all about robots and future. Critical (laughs) Mass, Arcane Wonders. Go out and play it. Play more games. All right. For our next session, chapter, feature, we are going to do a spoiler-heavy review of Daniel Polanski's novella, The Builders. Um, if you have not read or have not listened to the builders, uh, audible, it is under four hours. I re-listened to it today between drive to work and lunch. And you know, it, it's a quick listen. It's on audible. So if you've got audible credits burning a hole in your pocket, like I always seem to have three credits, no matter when Mm -hmm. I look, um, (laughs) go get it or, or the book, uh, on Amazon is 200 and, 20-ish pages and it's about $12. Cool. And so before we tell people who haven't read it to tune out, do you want to just give the the overview why why you'd want to read it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So I a while back, a few months ago, I saw a tweet uh, where an author I really enjoy, Mike Cole, talked about um, this book and somebody had asked him, hey, what's that book you always mention that's really fantastic that everyone needs to read? And 
combines like Brian Jacques and Sam Peckinpah, the Wild Bunch director, and all that. And he said the builders. Um, so the builders. What's unique about this this book? Um, it did win the Hugo Award, I think, in 2016. It might have been 20. It was released in 2015. I think it won the 2016 Hugo, but for uh, for novella. Um, and the Hugo is a uh, science fiction fantasy award that's given to um, different categories of books. Um, but the Builders is about, at its core, a, I guess, mercenary company of um, special operative soldiers. But they are getting back together, and the captain is a mouse. As the rest of the characters are all different animals in this um, in this kingdom referred to as the kingdom or the gardens. You don't get a sense of where the gardens are, um, but it uh, it has badgers and rats. The captain is a mouse. There's a stoat. There's an owl. I mean, there are all these creatures. And and that's where, and at this point, I'm going, eh, Ty's like, Ty's like, you got her. And I'm like, eh, I'm not sure about this animal thing. But he, but everything I'm like, okay, it's got and then good reviews. People are super excited, and I'm like, I'll give it a chance. It it takes the <laughs> animals, the anthropomorphic characters, so animals that have human features, walk and talk, um, anthropomorphic, and it introduces a spaghetti western action style story that unfolds as they um, they go and and seek revenge for prior wrongs. Uh, the captain goes to the different um, uh, animals, the, the different characters that were formerly in his, his company, uh, his, his fighting men and women, um, and gets them back together for one last um, kind of campaign, one last battle. And uh, it has all the, the flair of some of the classic westerns, Unforgiven, um, you know, Hang 'em High, The Wild Bunch, where the, the gang goes and. The animals have blades and, and guns, revolvers, shotguns, rifles. So it has that Western era feel. There's no real advanced technology beyond that. Um, but it's not it's not a fantasy by any means. I mean, it's kind of this hybrid fantasy and Western. Um, and it, it it is written in in a manner in which the story is exciting. The dialogue is is um, very laced with subtitle like there's so much subtext mm -hmm. there's a lot that's unsaid that you come to see and reveal through actions and other characters storylines and there's so much content and depth in 200 some pages that there's so many stories that could be told about what happened right. 10 years ago what happens after this um but you get this this glimpse in time at the the captain a mouse and his uh his crew so now I think we'll get into a, a heavy review, um, full of details where we talk about the characters, we talk about what happens because all three of us have listened to this and 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 or read it, um, and we are going to spoil the crap out of the builders <laughs> and talk about events that happen. So go listen to it, go read it. It's a few hours of time, pretty small investment um, for a really great experience and, and a really um, a really just great story um that inspired me to do a lot when i think about role-playing games or narrative and, and other events there there's a lot that comes from this that i think is is a just a classic um story arc 
Cool. Yeah. So after you read it, then come back and listen to the rest of our discussion. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now that everyone who hasn't read it or listened and and wants to and doesn't want to be spoiled has left, we will uh, speak to you, the listener that has read it or doesn't care and is ready to be spoiled. So what I thought would be interesting um, when, when we talk about kind of genre this fits into a, a place that, you know, I kind of said it, fantasy in that the animals are, are the characters and they walk and talk, but Western in the feel of technology and just kind of the, the pacing um, of the, the story. It has that feel of an old Western, you know, a Western movie with Clint Eastwood walks into the saloon and the bartender's scrubbing his glass. And, um, and it, it opens with the, the captain coming in uh and a mouse walks into the bar is chapter one which sets up like a joke um (laughs) and polanski has referenced that when he wrote this it it was a joke um but it has received critical acclaim and uh you know maybe troy do you want to talk about where it was in the the book that kind of grabbed you because i know you were very um yeah i mean just a little bit skeptical and um, but as it comes, because you're like, as I get in, you're like, all right, I'm not sure about the animals as as characters, right? That kind of, and even like the captain comes in and he's a mouse. Um, and it took me a little bit because the narrator. It's funny as I reflect, I think the narrator actually did a really good job of, of the different voices and and because he has very distinct voices for each of the different characters. Um, but he uses a mouse, a very high voice, like hi, um, for the captain, for the captain, who is this gruff, probably the toughest character out of all of them, um, the leader. Um, and so that's like, at first you're like, but then as the dialogue goes and it just is so straightforward. And I would think like the initial, he walks in the bar that kind of got me. And then I'm trying to, I don't know who the first uh who's the first one and basically it's kind of i'm getting the gang back together is kind of the first part of the book where he's going and you're, you're he, he's picking bon, up the bonsoir is, bon bon is right yeah. is kind of the next um and i think it's um who's the raccoon the badger uh the badger barley barley the shopkeeper barley oh yeah like barley because he has to talk barley kind of like barley doesn't want to Barley says back. i'm out and he I'm says out. no yeah. i'm not doing it and then and then the captain, like he six the two rats. He brings yeah. two guy heavies in, like guys. He just then he again just shows you. And then of course, Barley just pulls Wax the gun out and yeah. whacks these two rats. So you meet all of a sudden you're like, all right, the captain. This guy's serious. So he just hired two guys that he get to get killed, and they're rats. And so you're like, yeah, um, and his whole thing was like. You know, I haven't killed in 10, in ten years. And, and so and, he forces them. And the captain's like, well, now you just did. did. So come on. You're let's back go. in. You're yeah. back. You're right. in. And like, and Barley just kind of, you can just see like, all right, I, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm back. Yeah. And Barley's the one that carries the big, like, machine gun thing, gun. right? The rail yeah, gun yeah, or whatever. Organ gun. Yeah. Organ gun. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So like, as the, as he got each one of the characters, all of a sudden I'm in, in, in. And I think I'm like, okay, 30 minutes in, I'm like completely in, like, we're going to yeah. get this done. Um, and then I'm like, and I don't know if we want to say, like, why does it work, right? Is he never, like you talk about it's a joke, but Polanski never, never 
there's pretend. no tongue in cheek. There's no, there's he no, plays it straight. He plays it absolutely straight. The dialogue is completely straight, super serious, you know, and then the animals are, what he uses is the animal characters as the stereotype. Mm-hmm. For the different, you know, Barley the Badger, but he's just the brute, the big brute, yeah, the so, brute, and he plays to the he plays to the animal stereotype as the like in that, and it and it just works, like right. every one of the, it just works, yeah, it's, like like Bonsoir the the yeah. stoat, right, yeah. which is like a, a weasel type yeah. animal. Don't call him an ermine, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's he's French. He's yep. like a kind of a French yep. weasel, roguish type, right? And uh, it, it just fits, right? Yep. That 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 whole yep. stereotype, yeah. And then you get one one of my favorite characters, other than Barley. And, and there's a section I, I just want. So when we we're talking about the badger and how he mm-hmm. describes it, so they're describing the the rats attacking Barley, and it goes into a description. Badgers are not spry animals, and Barley was no outlier. But he understood the importance of committing to violence, of giving oneself over fully to savagery and not playing the flirt. And perhaps his placidity had lulled the rats into a false sense of security. Though well-practiced in murder, they had misread his resignation. It was not acceptance of his own death that Barley's stillness signaled. It was acceptance of theirs. And it's from that moment it drives into the action where he's just ripping them apart avoiding the rifle fire like they go to cinnabar the salamander who is like the quick one gun. of my cold-blooded but my quickest f- gun yeah, the dragon yeah and and it's just absolutely amazing how they talk about his quickness mm-hmm. and his cold-blooded reptilian way how like that helps yeah. him just be the fastest gun and like yeah, and he's got this mm-hmm. reputation that that follows him right everybody knows of the dragon you know yep. the yeah and you it's get awesome. a, I, I think right. You get the little feel like the captain and Cinnabar might have the most history together. I think if I remember right, like he has history with all of them, but it feels like through like those two, like he's kind of been the yeah. captain's right. None of them are really part. friends, are really right. right. <laughs> but they're probably the closest of fr- yeah. you know of of all of them. Yeah, I, I drew a pretty cool parallel because I, I spent a lot of time recently playing Red Dead Redemption uh, <laughs> Two which is set um, kind of near the end of the Old West in the early 1900s. And it helped frame the builders for me because I thought of the the narrative in that game is there's this gang that has been scattered and they're kind of, you know, on the run from the law and they they lost, you know, when you think of how the Wild West and the Wild Bunch, Peckinpah's movie, is like that too. It's, It's a gang that's on the way out and this is their last chance to fight against the dying of like the age of their violence, you know? Um, and this book plays to that, like the, the captain fought and his men fought for one of the brothers. There was a war 10 years ago between two brothers that were toads, um, (laughs) that ruled different factions within the gardens. And the, the brother that the captain fought for lost. And the, the, the elder, the brother that won, has a skunk, um, Mephitic, that is his captain, in essence, like his um, his right hand. And there's this this whole revenge motif throughout it, where you know the captain has stewed over this loss and the not being able to be the victor mm-hmm. and put this plan together. Um, and that starts to unfold over the, yeah. the story. But there, again, like you said, like there. It, like you talked about, there's so much depth here, but 
I would almost call the writing sparse. Like every yeah. word it has a thing, and but there's so much that's like in, inferred, but not said. But like stuff like you're just like, why now? Why? What happened that now kind of tipped like ten years? But now, all right, the captain like yeah. boom, the plan's in place now. We're going. Yeah, we're gonna seek our revenge. Well, like because they hint at a, a prior betrayal, yeah. so betrayal oh, plays a big oh, part yeah. in this. Like. Once before, some one of the captain's men betrayed him and, and all of the others. And they they talk a little bit about who it was, but you don't get the full story. And then there's another act of betrayal. Um, you know, when um, Ray Conquista, uh, the, the rat, who is half rat, half bionic, he's like his arm is metal, he's been maimed somehow, um, has them at his saloon when... Mephitic sends, is it the armadillo? Is it Zapata's men? The rats? The companies of rats come for him? I think it's the rats, right? Yeah, the yeah. rats come for him. Yep. And they bring platoons of rats against them, and yep. they, they manage to you know fight their way out or escape, but um, Reconquista's betrayal. Like, there's there's yeah. just... And you, you want to know why. Like, did Reconquista get hurt because of the captain? Was there a deep-seated, yeah. like... Yeah. Well, and I think, and then they do, he does tell it right at the end. Yeah. He does tell that story about how he was too close to a bomb or something, right? Yeah, and that, the, that's the, how he, he blames the captain. For, the captain yeah. Why he's only half a, right. uh, a rat. Um, so, so, what, when, when you think of the characters, and this is tough because I, I think, you know, we've talked about some of the characters mm-hmm. that stood out. One we haven't really talked about is um, Elf. Elf. There's an owl that can no longer fly. <laughs> Elf is an owl that is is old, but still incredibly quiet and, and off-putting. Yeah. Like, oh. has this, you get this sense that this owl doesn't belong because it's not a creature of the ground, um, but it's just this horrific killer, this savage killer. Um, and there's a scene, I know, Troy, that you... <laughs> You love that scene. Oh, I love the scene. Yeah, and I think it's right after they're in the... Is it the armadillo where they're killing? And the group of guys has kind of regrouped around a fire or something at the end of the day. And then all of a sudden, Elf just kind of shows up, coming up and kind of limps up the hill, carrying the body of, <laughs> of one of the rats that she took care of, just nonchalantly drops it, and just says, you know, hello, captain. Hello, friends. And then <laughs> I think it's ca- the captain just slows elf. Uh, he's like, hi, elf. And then with the pause, what's with the corpse? Like, why why, <laughs> why do you bring a dead body? And then like her answer, and I'm pretty sure it's a, she's a female. Um, and her answer is just like, well, I, I, there was another one. Like she didn't, she doesn't address the fact that she brought this one. Yeah. Her answer to the question is, well, there was another one. And I just brought this one. And like, I could only bring one. I could yeah. only bring one. Like, it's not that, why, you know, not that I brought this. Like I, <laughs> oh, I didn't bring the two. Yeah. yeah it wasn't, uh, why, why didn't you bring both? Yeah, it was, just, why did I you even that, bring this one? Yeah. yeah it, it just like, <laughs> elf, yeah, super dangerous. And I think it's because you don't like, maybe she's not a hundred percent there. And like, you know, all yeah. the dialogue, he's like, she kind of like, ends up and then like just recognizes people like you know and you're always like well what if she wouldn't recognize these people as their friends or whatever um yeah. she always seems just a little bit off a little bit off right yeah. and you, again you don't know that whole story like right, right. Like, like, you know like what when happened. when did elf like the broken wing right yeah you know she can't yeah. fly how'd that happen right who was responsible yeah. so 
he wrote this years ago. I don't think he'll ever come back to this world. Um, no, just yeah. from what I've seen of what else he's done and and this. Yeah, being and like, I and uh, I was doing a little bit of research. I think a couple of interviews I saw where he was again. He kind of, people are like, and he was pretty much this is like a one and was a one and done thing. Like he's and I think it's one of the things where as much as you want, like there is also something nice about just leaving all the yeah, unanswered questions and it's just like, that's it. That's the story. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so Josh, what, what was it like? At what point in this book did you commit? You know, you, you were going to listen cause it was short and cause we were going to review it. But what was it? What element of the story was it that you hit and you're like, Oh, I got to keep going. Um, what I thought was really interesting, um, was in, when they introduced Bonsoir and I was like, that means something. What does that mean? Because uh, I knew it meant something in French. <laughs> and, you know, they introduced him as a French character. And um, so I was listening. And I, I listened for a little while and um, got past that section and whatever. And I went back and looked it up. And, and, and bonsoir means good evening. Which, I mean, for like a roguish type <laughs> character, it's like, you know, good evening. I'm going to stab you now. Well, you know, like yeah. it just, it's yeah. just perfect, right? And he... Um so the the story evolves and they they go into the keep uh that is like the headquarters the base of the elder toad and his men mephitic the skunk and bonsoir is is down and trying to get into the vault like to pick his way into the vault and has this dialogue with um the cat there's like a cat that he is insulting him saying you've never been to france how can you say you're french you don't speak the language you in like ex exposes bonsoir's um affectation i mean yeah, that he yeah. he hung out with some people from the legion and therefore now thinks he's a frenchman like right yeah uh yeah. and he really wasn't yeah. right. and and during this interaction though bonsoir has found a way to sneak his last stick of dynamite to to blow them all yeah. up and he says as like as it goes off and everybody dies bonsoir like oh, yeah. he's saying good evening like as right. a farewell yeah and it's just it's amazing right. like there's that dark tongue-in-cheek humor, but just sparingly applied in some yeah. of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you just you touch on it. I just remember, like, you get you have the the crew that the captain puts together, and then along the way, they kind of reveal the big bad, like the group of the what's it, three or four of you've the got Bronte of, the fox. You've yes. got uh, the Quaker, which nonviolent, but it's a rattlesnake. <laughs> Um, Zapata, the armadillo is like, uh, and then I think the cat is just puss. puss. puss yeah, they yeah. just call him put like yeah. classic puss right. and boots. And it's yeah. just cool how he, again, very simply he kind of sets up and you're like, Ooh, these are the big, the bag. And then as they go into the castle, you're like waiting to see, you're like all these, you're like, all right, these people are all going to appear and you're going to, and they have each of these scenes as there's kind of the standoffs. And as the crew kind of has to take out each one of them. and Like these boss fights. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like oh. Cinnabar finds himself, the salamander, fighting mm-hmm. Bronte the fox. And it's, it's just a horrible, graphically yeah. violent yeah. encounter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how he shoots Bronte, uses his full magazine mm-hmm. before Bronte can even, you know, fire mm-hmm. one shot. And then, his, like, Cinnabar's death is written mm-hmm. in such a way. I know I talked about that yeah. before with you guys, where he can't reach his hat, and he shifts, and he puts his hat back on his forehead, and then um, takes a breath, and he's ready to die. And it's just, like, I hate to say poetic moments, but 
written in such, such a way right that, and well it, yeah and it's just I, why is it so and it's because I th- again because he never he always he's playing it straight all the time and you yeah. can just see that the way he sets up his cinnabar like that character like you totally would see that character like oh I need to there's my hat I'm gonna put my yeah, hat I can't on. die right? I can't die I got my hat back on it's, it's all these I'll, theater right? of the mind moments oh, yeah. right that you can totally picture you know him grabbing the hat and putting yeah. on his you know you it, it yeah it just nails it yeah and then um so i know we've we've talked about some of the characters but there are these mini chapters so uh some of the chapters are, are a couple sentences and they mm-hmm. they keep going to the anticipation there's a possum who's their sniper who's a half mile out <laughs> oh. from the keep and you get, I think, three or four chapters that At go least, back to yeah, right. and a half mile from the keep in the darkness. Budika hung from the tree, her tail curled around. And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're like, okay, the sniper, what's going to happen? Yeah. And then at one yeah. critical moment, like the captain is facing, uh, it's Mephitic, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the skunk. Yep. yep. And it goes back to Budika, and she pulls the trigger. Goes back to the captain's point of view, and Mephitic's head explodes Splatter, yeah. in, a, in a mist. Like, um, so I mean, there there are these things that are set up throughout and build towards, you know, Barley's organ gun. They they talk yeah, about mm-hmm. Barley destroying platoons of rats coming out of the keep, uh, assaulting the wall with his his gun, and at the end, everything collapses, and you, you don't know. And they even leave it open, like. You know, maybe Barley right, died. Right. Maybe, maybe he did. Right, he did you never it. know. <laughs> maybe he's walking away, leaving the ruin behind him. Like, um, I don't, I don't know where. So, yeah, and we we didn't even touch on Gertrude, and, the underground and man. The underground, yeah, the underground man, right? And that, yeah, who is some old woman mole, right? Blind mole, and uh, it, again, her whole like she's the kingpin of this the garden underground, underground in the garden in the yeah. garden and then at one point they're like well why the underground man and she's just like because you know that is much more fierce than you know the the underground woman or something mm-hmm. and and then the, her and just the the kind of the double betrayal right because it, there's always this undertone of is somebody going to again going to betray the captain and as they do their plan and and as she gets in there you you kind of think she betrays them, mm-hmm. but you kind of find out it's really a double betrayal, and it was really more of their uh, their plan for like how do they really get inside, right? Right. Um, and again, her death scene too, just oh, yeah, yeah. The the skunk, uh, <laughs> the skunk sprayer, <laughs> spray right in the face, yeah. and yeah, in a closed room, yeah. and yeah. And I think that one's actually more off screen, right? And then they kind of, you kind of know it, and then they, they, I think the captain and I don't know if it's Cinnabar who runs, like they find her and then right. they kind of put stuff together. Yeah. But, um, I so I, I guess big picture, um, I kept thinking, um, what. So you, you you keep saying they they played it straight they played mm-hmm. it straight right and I kept waiting for the pullback where it's it's you know like I kept thinking about like Toy Story mm-hmm. right when are they gonna pull back and show that it's you know they're at Andy's house right yeah. <laughs> or they're at you know somebody's backyard and the castle's really like some uh, castle yeah. in a garden you know a true garden type you know or they're 
um, they're they're in a shed, you know. That's the that's the bar, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever, you know. And and they never did that. No, it's it's totally, you know, they played it straight, and it was totally normal. But I kept waiting for that to happen, mm-hmm. and it never did. And I'm like, perfect, that's awesome. I'm glad it didn't. Mm-hmm. But that was always in the back of my head. And that that pullback moment too, you know, the at the end once they've gone through the keep and all of these creatures have died the captain's men the enemies um you you come to face the the captain facing down the the elder toad mm-hmm. so the the whole yeah. way you know it's to get revenge against mephitic and it's to set something right with um with the toad and the captain has that dialogue and they describe the toad as this just corpulent overweight yeah. blob um, blob yeah. that has done nothing good in his his entire existence um and the the captain, you know, gets rid of him. And then there's the old servant, the shrew, that's in the room that the captain talks to and they talk about what's going to happen next. And you've had this buildup for 50-some chapters, 200-some yep. pages. Before you get there, right, I think what, before you get there, right, it's not even at the end that it's, he takes out the toad that's there. And what you find out is that the other brother that you think like they went to get and they're going to put him in place has already died. So in the end, like yeah, all bones, this yeah. was right. Leading up to what you're about to say, all this is not, not for nothing, but really just revenge. Like it's not even like over It's all about revenge. Like it wasn't right. even about the other toad's not going to be put in place. Cause in place right. Yeah. And so like, they've just like taken it out. And so then, yeah, it kind of sets up where you're going. <laughs> And and the captain has that last bit of dialogue with um, a servant, right? a servant, and the servant says, you know, and they talk about the chaos that'll be in the city and in the gardens, the kingdom with no leadership and everything burning down around them. And the the shrew asks the captain, you know, what it's going to happen? How are we going to go forward from here? And the captain answers him, "We don't build." <laughs> Pull curtain and yeah. scene like end credits roll. That's it. And it's like, you're wondering, because I'm wondering the whole time, the builders. Yeah. What are they building? The builders. What? Why? And that that was something that I thought for the whole story. I'm like, why are we calling it this? Right. Yeah. Should really be called the (laughs) (laughs) anti-builders. So The destroyers. (laughs) Any any other thoughts you guys have just on the the pacing, the book, the um, characters, anything we haven't really touched on yet? I'm just I I I'm so glad that you tempted me down this down this path. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you know, I can understand why it got awards. Like it, it's such a if you if you like anything in anywhere near this, right? It's just such yeah. a nice, concise, really really super entertaining book. And like we said, we've all like I think we've all gone back and like reread parts of it, re-listened yeah. to parts of it. Because it's like it's sparse dialogue, but there's so much there, and it's it's enjoyable to kind of go back over and over and like, oh, I missed that one, like yeah. that one sentence. Even the first read through, like I had to kind of go back, go back, go back, like just to make sure right. I caught stuff. Because, like you were saying earlier, everything meant something. Everything, you know, every piece, you know, adds on mm-hmm. to the story. And if you miss something, or if you just skim it, yeah. or if you just listen quickly and you're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, you you really need to check it out. I mean, so when I when I think of when I was when I was young, probably fourth fifth grade, I 
I just devoured every Redwall book. So Brian Jacques wrote um, kids' books, but they were kind of epic fantasy. So we're talking several hundred page books about a kingdom of Redwall, a Redwall Abbey in which animals all fought and had swords and badgers were lords of the mountain that had axes and the hares were like javelins and otters and these fighting creatures and these epic scale warfare. So like I loved those books. Then I also, the Western has always been a genre for me that I'm just drawn to. It's something about the the American West, the gunslinger, the, you know, the, the frontier um, that has, has drawn me in, like reading Zane Gray, reading Louis L'Amour when I was a kid off my, you know, my grandpa's bookshelf. Like I loved it and watching John Wayne movies. And then when I read this, it like, it did this thing <laughs> where it just married these two genres and ideas and concepts together. Um, and it, I mean, this, this book, although, although the, the brevity of it and, and its place, like, I, I absolutely love it. It instantly went into my top 10 books that I've ever read. Like, it just launched itself up out of nowhere into, into this place. So I, I can't recommend it enough. Part of it is I'm incredibly biased because of, like, the fusion of genres and the, the stylistic. Um, the, the other thing I thought the whole time is, I don't know how you pull this off as a movie, <laughs> but I kept thinking what those shots look like because yeah. it's written in that cinematic yeah. style yeah, as sure well, is. which yep. is uh, very interesting to me is the shots and the way they line up yep. and the, the, the way I pictured each of these scenes, you know, the dual cameras and the, the showdown, like, you know, Cinnabar drawing his guns against Bronte, like yep. um, just perfect. I was like, this make this a movie and all. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it'd be cool to see, but I think it need to. Be, it would need to be in the right hand, like because yeah, what you oh got to yeah. do is you got to figure out how you do it. You got to play it straight, just like yeah. the book, right? You can't have any like you no. have to be truly hard. You can't have anything be a little comical or, you know, it. It's got to, You got to kind of believe it. Um, what would be really interesting is if they did it with people, and they didn't do it with animals, just like people representations of these people i think yeah. i think could that, you, that right. could be could cool you, right could you do, could you do that yeah right. take the story and but would it be would it be what it is like that's what's interesting sure. right i don't yep. know that this if you did that, that st- if, these, if these weren't the animals would it would we be talking about it in the same thing there's something i, I don't know which is funny because that was the one thing i was a little yeah if you, that was i was hesitant about sure. to get into it and um, I, I think that's a question too is if if you remove that aspect is it still of the animal do you like the story and still? And its characters, I, like Cinnabar yeah, is a gunslinger, and they play the, the characteristics of these characters. I'm going to take back what I said. I don't think that would be good. I want to remove that. I I, I think the animal aspect of it really makes it for me. So never mind. I'm going to scrap that idea. Because it is, it is interesting, though, when, when you humanize an animal. Um, mm-hmm. But what they what they leave in is that savagery and that base instinct and the the weapons mm-hmm. of destruction yeah. like elves' talons, um, uh, right? That's what's and the, the Quaker swallowing yeah. its enemies and the speed of some of these, the strength. Like I don't know, uh, I, they're all great characters. characters. That's the thing. Like they have <laughs> they have a, a feel, um, but they use. Mm-hmm. The right. aspects right and that's where it's like he hyper like i always think it like some of it's stereotypes but 
it wasn't that he humanized everything. Like he took advantage of the, and you could see the very choices he made for which type of animals each character was because he used those animal instincts and features as a a crucial part of the character. Yeah. Right. Married along with the the human part. The the possum hanging from the tree. tree, Right. You, You can picture that. Yep. And and you're like, well, why is she hanging from the tree? Well, because she's the sniper. She's gonna, you know, like she's hanging. She's getting the best shot. She's right there, you know. Uh, yeah, that it just and the badger, you know, the big. You can picture like a big burly badger holding this organ gun, right? Just laying waste. Um, yeah, it, the the bonsoir, the stoat. You know, you can kind of picture like this this little weaselly. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. They they he nailed it with all the characters yeah. for sure. For yeah, sure, it would be. I don't have. I've just seen the trailer of the like the Watership Down on mm-hmm. Netflix, um, but that looks sufficiently dark. Like it looks like that. Like if you could do CGI, like something like that, you might have a chance, right? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Watership mm-hmm. Down, and that's the other quote. One of the other authors, Delilah S. Dawson, she's a contemporary fantasy author. She's written some. Um, some like kind of humorous stuff with Kevin Hearn, who I really like from the Iron Druid, and she says her like jacket quote is as unforgiving of a, as a runaway train carrying all your friends over a cliff. I haven't cared about animals this much since Watership Down, because <laughs> that's you know the the rabbits that occupy that um, that community that are facing like the onslaught of the coming of of man and um so. The builders, I don't know. We don't build. <laughs> we don't build. The captain delivers the one-liner after the a, a mouse walks into a bar as chapter one and then <laughs> he brings down the, the house with his one-liner at the end. Um, did we even talk about the captain? One eye, like oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the one a pulpy eye. mess That's with it. a scar running down yeah. his. So, um, just some really cool descriptions and, and cool cool parts to this uh, this book can't recommend it enough um it's it's a quick read but it was it was fantastic highly recommend all right so that is our library session we have studied we've done the reading now it's on you go read it tell us what you think um and we will look for our our next books what what are you reading next, Josh? You finished uh, your two books in. I'm two books in, so and it's February. It's you're, February. You're on pace for twelve books. Killing it, killing it. Um, the next one's going to take me a while, though. So next on the docket is uh, Name in the Wind. Yes. Um, so yeah, I. Yeah, it's only like thirty hours. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a big book. So, um, but yeah, I warmed up. Ready Player One, and uh, the Builders. No, it's uh, that's the next the next big thing. Man, you're taking down some some epic mm-hmm. ones, Troy. What's uh, what's next for you? I am waiting for the new Gaunt's Ghost book. Hopefully, to come out on Aud- on Audible. If it doesn't, I will just start reading it <laughs> old fashioned way because it's out right now. It's I think they just released the. Which the is, text version, but they don't have the audio version up yet. So. Which is that one? Um, I don't. I, mean, I can think what the name of it is. It's the the one after the War Master. So okay, we're running up to the either this is the ultimate or penultimate book in the Gaunt's Ghost series because supposedly this is the last arc here. So 
Very cool. I'm uh, I'm midway through Caliban's War mm-hmm. in the Expanse. Told myself I wanted to get that done before um, Netflix is so uh, is it or no Prime mm-hmm. picked up yeah. the show after Sci-Fi kind of canceled it and shocked the world with a, a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but season three is being released, so all three seasons are available. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get the book done before I go and actually watch the show again because i i'd started and never really got too far into it so i want to as i'm hobbying finish that but um the other the other book that i i pointed out to troy this is going to be a good year for books and i think it's coming maybe late spring early summer is adrian tychowski's follow-up to children of time um which we talked about in a different library session. So that that the moment that hits, I'm I'm going to be all about that one. I think again, I'm hesitant because I that was such Children of Time was such a good book. I'm like, how do where do you go from here, right? But I'm I'm have faith in him that he had that he had a really good idea to decide how to how to do that. Um, and was super quick if really quick reads, Josh. So if you get tired of whatever, I ran through the whole Murderbot series. Um, by Martha Wells. I think I talked, I might've talked a little bit about that. Love those love. They're just, they're really, they're, they're shorter like this kind of novella size. It's the kind of told from the point of view of this robot. He's a security robot. Um, he kind of gets his own hacks, his own governor module. So he kind of has his own free will and it's his adventures then as it goes off. And, the murder bot thing kind of comes because he has a less sordid history, maybe when he wasn't when he didn't have as much free will. So, so that, but uh, I just really, really enjoyed. Um, they're a lot of they're a lot of fun. I think it's because it, like his point of view and and he, mostly humor. I mean, the kind of humor, but play, there's enough excitement and stuff in there. Um, Excellent, very cool. All right, we'll close the doors on the the library. And uh, we will step right into our upcoming news and events. So we like to stay busy. And we're, I mean, officially we're in tournament slash convention season right around the corner from uh, Adepticon. Um, more than likely, our next episode will be our kind of Adepticon preview. Um, talk a little bit more in depth about what we're getting into, what armies we're bringing, uh, different events and, and things we're looking forward to. Um, maybe try to line up, uh, you know, something with somebody important somewhere that makes decisions about Adepticon or releases for game companies that we know. I don't know. Mm. But uh, so immediately in our future, Holy Wars, uh, the intern and I will be headed to Yorkville, Illinois for Holy Wars 5, Steve Herner's narrative uh, Age of Sigmar um, tournament slash event slash amazingness. Uh, so we'll have a full report for the, for the from that on the next episode. Uh, then in Schaumburg, Illinois, March 27th to the 31st, Adepticon 2019. Coming back to Milwaukee in May, Brew City Brawl 2019, Brew City Brawl 2, May 17th to the 19th, Age of Sigmar Tournament, which all three of us are playing in, five rounds, two days, amazingness. Nexus Game Fair returns uh, in a new venue, um, in Nexus will be in Brookfield at Brookfield, the Sheridan, Wisconsin. I believe. Yeah. So out of downtown, um, but uh, you know, certainly a, a fun local show. Um, First I think week they're, of June. They're back in June. 
right around the time of Origins. I don't know if it's the same weekend, but close. And then Origins, Columbus, Ohio, we may or may not have a showing there. Uh, and then we get into a number of other things going on in the summer. But at the beginning of August, Gen Con uh, happening, there will be a, a presence um, with uh, some of us and friends there at that show. So look at the convention schedules, tournament schedules, find something interesting, and more than likely find someone wearing a plain and slain shirt or basement of death stickers all over and say hi. Um, as you're saying hi to us in person, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, love hearing what everyone thinks. Um, find us on Facebook. Uh, maybe we'll give some TLC to our Facebook page. It keeps telling me it's been a while since I posted there. <laughs> That's my main notification. Yeah. Um, Twitter at play and slam show basement of death.com, the website where every episode goes up and some other cool content from Troy. Uh, and then all of our emails, of course, our first names at basementofdeath.com, info and intern also at basementofdeath.com. Any closing news or events, things you guys want to touch on before we really close the door? Just thank Dan again for uh, spending time with us. It was great to, great to talk with him. Yeah, and it, yeah, absolutely. So when you think about reaching out to us, also reach out to Dan at the Lonely Havocs on Twitter. Uh, the Havoc cast on iTunes, um, lonelyhavocs.com. He also posted there. So number of ways to find his content and what he's doing, highly recommend it. Um, and while you are busy doing that, keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. for Troy so we can start drinking again yes mm-hmm. he's he's gone nearly the entire month and a half yeah since his birthday mm-hmm. on this this slow road of healthy choices and and good living and no drinking now I'm worried that he is going to hit adepticon out of shape I think we tie him down with a funnel mm-hmm. and a bottle of vodka. Van Gogh, blueberry, acai vodka. You read my mind. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll mix in some white monster for him just for flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just... Shake up his head. Make, make him, him chug it. Yeah. Okay. Can we also then draw on his face with marker? Well, yeah. I mean, if, if we, we already out. have him tied down, yeah. Mm-hmm. And inverted ultramarine symbols. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. You know what I like most about Troy not being in the room when we're plotting this? What's that? He can't talk about how Gilliam is not a traitor. Because he is a traitor. The biggest traitor of all. Gilliam is? Yeah. He's the worst. He's basically like... He's he's a Horus apologist. Yeah? That's all he is. 
You know when they say Magnus did nothing wrong? Mm-hmm. It's actually Boot did everything wrong. Oh, man. He's the worst. First heretic and only heretic left in the Imperium. Is Robot silly man. Lorgar's not dead. <laughs> that, that's it. That's so spoiler. Spoiler. 